Welcome back to Strange Stories with the Seeker and the Skeptic. We will now continue part two of our episode where we interview Kurt and Rachel Huff, and we will hear more from Kurt about his strange stories. Well, Kurt, you know, um, something that, you know, I, I, you and I have known each other for years and years and years, and I definitely uh, generally consider you to be one of the more more skeptical people that I know. Um, and it's kind of, you know, at times even something that is, you know, the same about us in 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 uh, uh, in, in a way maybe uh, that we both you know we both basically question everything, um, and I definitely don't know that I would have expected you to have had much in the way of experiences. Although I mean maybe you would say the same thing about me, and that would not be you know the case. It's something I just don't talk about, and maybe that's just the case with you. What um, can you kind of give us a maybe a background of where you are and where you have been on, on, you know, on being a skeptic and, and maybe, you know, what, what has changed that for you recently? Let me interject. You remember the night before the wedding when we were all hanging out in the living room, I got this man to eat Chinese food. <laughs> Did you think I couldn't make him a non-skeptic? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the world of Chinese. <laughs> that's true. He definitely violently against Chinese food for a very, very long time. <laughs> I just had to put that out there. That's a good point. I mean, it was a, I ate Chinese food and got food poisoning, you know, 20 years ago. So I was never inclined to eat again because I don't know if a lot of people, most people after, you know, 10, 15 years of drinking or, you know, whatever, develop at least one alcohol that they can't even think about drinking without getting sick. Tequila. It's kind of like that. Kind of like that for me. With uh... he says this, but he still picks out Chinese restaurants to go to. So well, it is what it is. I mean, once I got back in, I was all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So skeptically, so I mentioned earlier that I grew up going to a Pentecostal Holiness church, right? And. People don't really talk about things like ghosts and all that out in the open. But still, I mean, I experienced things going to church that, you know, I would put behind me later on. But just, I don't know if either of you have, oh, I'm sure John has gone to like an old timey, you know, Pentecostal type church before. But oh, there's I a, sure have. There is a lot of energy and, you know, when things are reaching ahead towards the end, and, you know, the preacher inevitably gets to the hellfire brimstone part. People are up and down, you know, hallelujah, speaking in tongues and, you know, rolling in the floor, speaking in tongues. You feel that energy. So, I mean, I can understand why people, you know, it's like an addiction, I guess. And when I was young, I was like, this is God. This is God's energy. It's the Holy Spirit, right? But I mean, just like, you know, was mentioned earlier, I kind of became a, not necessarily an atheist at a young age, but I mean, one of the, the deacon's wives 
or his wife. Uh, the wife is one of the deacons. There we go. Chuck asked me why my dad didn't come every Sunday. And I was just saying, well, he stays home and watches the race, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, your dad's going to burn in hell forever. And I was maybe eight years old. At that point, I was like, these people are fucking assholes. And yeah. like her in particular, her and her husband, he's a deacon. You know, she's this super holier than thou woman. She was always the first one to fall onto the ground and roll around speaking tongues. And then every Sunday after church, I'd see them down at the gas station running, you know, R-rated movies. What, what, Very it, hypocritically. Isn't that like a shared delusion of two? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, once I got to be about 12, I was like, Mom, I'm not coming anymore. You know, I, it, it's not that I don't believe in God or whatever. It's just that the people there make me uncomfortable. I mean, even after a point, before I stopped going, you know, that woman and her husband were asked not to come back and like she's the sister of the at the time preacher you know so um, i know i wasn't the only one that they read the wrong way but what really sucked was the deacon he was on the county board of supervisors forever but anyway i didn't really have paranormal oh one of the main reasons that I mentioned the church was that when I started to feel that energy coming around, my eyeballs always kind of vibrated a little bit. You know, so I was like, I don't know what it is, but when I start feeling this spiritual ener energy, it would just feel like, I, and it, I don't think they were actually vibrating. My vision doesn't get weird, but it just feels like my entire eyeballs are vibrating at like a high frequency. So moving on, you know, I talked about seeing water witchers and how people rely on that and people talking about, you know, don't go out in the woods at night, all of that. And, but anyway, the, personally, the main thing that, you know, I feel like could be at least not necessarily high strangeness, but going to the same kind of survival instinct that she was talking about, there would be times where I would just feel that anxiety drop down into your stomach and the cold blood, cold sweats, and just the uh, ominous total feeling or knowledge that somebody or something is watching me and I don't see anything around. But So that was pretty much my uh, supernatural experience up until a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, I did have, I've always believed in UFOs, not necessarily, you know, they're aliens and yada yada and all that, but, you know, it's, for me, it became about scientific provability. Can you prove this thing through scientific experiment, experiments and the scientific method, right? Right. And, you know, I even have my own potential ufo sighting you know i used to work a late late shift you know i'd be driving home at two or three in the morning and about halfway home from work on my road 
it was a foggy night. And I saw a really bright red light that looked like it was kind of hovering through my windshield, like in the sky, towards the left of my windshield. That slowly, you know, kind of crossed the sky and to the other side of my windshield, sat there for a couple seconds, and then kind of looped down and shot off straight upwards until I couldn't see it. Now, it was extremely foggy. So, you know, in that situation, there's a good chance it was just some kind of weird reflection. But anyway, so I guess I'll get to my story. When, uh, well, I'll preface this by saying that she was talking about her generational, you know, inherent ability or whatnot to, you know, understand that something is strange or, you know, know that there's some kind of energy or spiritual presence, right? Mm-hmm. It has absolutely been inherited by Galen, her son, my stepson. And uh, so the first year that they had moved in with me, there was not long after they moved in, there was, she fell into a really deep depression. And I was very depressed too, but I don't know. And everything was extremely toxic and we couldn't really understand it. And but Dalen was constantly talking about seeing ghosts and it would, could be hard to get him to sleep and go to sleep in his room. But we would, you know, one of us every other night would go in there and read him bedtime stories and eventually fall asleep. But what I thought was weird was, well, actually, let me move. Well, she was losing days. Yeah, that's how depressed she was. I was like losing days. I was like catatonic in bed, just staring at the ceiling. And before I know it, he'd come in and he'd be like, you really haven't moved in over 32 hours. Like, are are you okay? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, has it really been that long? I thought I've just, you know, been here all day, you know, just lounging about being lazy. But I was like literally losing days. The depression was so bad. And every time I would go to leave the house, like even at that time where we're like, trying to come visit you sometimes mm-hmm. you know because it was you know I had just moved in new relationship you know you're you're one of his first friends that I met mm-hmm. and we had us you know coming to visit you sometimes but it was every time that I would leave the house I would get violently ill like want to throw up and just be absolutely miserable every time I left the house mm-hmm. wow well you know she was going through this depression and Dalen was constantly talking about ghosts. And I was just, you know, the ghosts don't feel yada, yada, yada. So not long after they moved at up, Dalen's best friend, who was five, died in an accident. A four-wheeler accident in yeah. which he was crushed. And that definitely affected him. But anyway, things kept getting worse and worse. And finally, Rachel said, you know, there's something wrong here, and I think it's spiritual or something along those lines, and we have to figure out what it is. The back room that Dalen was so scared of, you could literally open the door in the middle of the day, and you know, that's the built-on room. I, I know you've seen it, 
you know, that one is the one yeah. with drywall. It's all white. So right. it's a light room. You would open that door in the middle of the day and it was almost pitch black. It was like walking into a black fog. Wow. And then I was like, no wonder Dalen doesn't want to go in here. Neither do I. And I was mm-hmm. trying to get into that in a minute, but um, so it was just getting worse and we were setting up one night and I'm not sure where the driver was, but she uh, was like, I'm going to go check on Dalen because there's something going on here. I think it might be a ghost, some kind of that dark energy. So when she went to check on Dalen, I was like, you know what? Whatever's here, fuck off. Stop messing with my family. You're not welcome. Go. And what I didn't understand as a skeptic and somebody who had never really had any experience with the supernatural, acknowledging it is like an invitation, which I found out. You don't open the doorway. And still at this point, I didn't believe. I was just, I'm going to say this in case there is something, you know, that small chance. Well, suddenly I just felt this horrible feeling that caused me to lay down and suddenly there were like pictures flashing in front of my eyes of like certain things that I'll go into in a moment that were like, I was literally experiencing this series of events as if it were literally what I was seeing out of my actual eyes. Now, basically, it was like me getting up, walking to the kitchen, taking out the butcher knife, going to Dalen's room, stabbing her to death, and then stabbing Dalen in the face. And, you know, I couldn't really move. It was kind of almost like a, a sleep paralysis episode. But you were straight up awake before oh, this yeah. happened. This is oh, not yeah. a nighttime thing. It was during the day. Yeah. No, this was at night, but I wasn't asleep at all. Okay. And so it finally let go. And then she came back and she looked at me and she was like, oh, now what you talk you to it. What did you say? And I told her, and she said, God damn it. And so we sat here and we talked about it for a while. And you know, she's like, "Go, you need to go check on Dalen now. You've made things worse. But, so I went into Dalen's room, but it was different. In Dalen's room, I couldn't feel it at all. Like, I got, I got just before, after that, I immediately was able to feel it. That I had, I'd never felt this energy or whatever it was before. And it was super oppressive. Um, almost like a weight pushing on from every side. So I get into Dalen's room and it's different. I don't feel it at all. And I almost feel what I would call like a joyful energy. So like I kind of got down on my knees by Dalen's bed and you know, stroked his hair. So I'm like, you know, we'll, we'll keep you, he's asleep. Um, we'll keep you safe. And, but it was almost like this this energy was kind of enveloping him in a protective way. So 
I came out and you know I, I we only have one cat at the time I, my cat I had kind of noticed it before but it really I really took a serious notice of it this time for the past few months every night he would sleep in the bathroom that was connected by walls to Dalen's room mm -hmm. under this framed picture on the wall and I had a snap in my brain of wait a second the lady that who had lived here before my old roommate and I had moved in had you know, a lot of dogs. She was an avid animal lover, but she couldn't have kids. She never had kids. And she had passed away the summer before I've been here. Not in the house, but, and I was like, wait a second. And I, it dawned on me that this woman, whether it be her ghost or not, but energy from her was protecting Dalen from whatever the other thing is. And, you know, being an animal lover with all her dogs and cats, and it's like my cat was drawn to sleep under her framed, you know, painting on the wall every night when Dalen was in bed. And then, so, but I, as soon as I stepped out, I felt the oppressive energy. Now I went back and we were talking some more and then I noticed there's kind of a tiny hallway that leads from the kitchen into our bedroom, mm -hmm. maybe like eight feet long. And uh, I mean, we were both feeling this oppressive energy now really, really strongly. And I looked over and I'm like, look, in the hallway was extremely dark even though we had the overlight overhead lights on like it's never been dark that i've noticed before since like that and then we go and look we go to look in that back room and or we had looked earlier and it was like she said it was like pitch black this is nighttime but there's you know, two or three houses across the street with, like dusted on lights which you know would should be flooding through these windows but you couldn't see anything but now i noticed that darkness in the hallway here and we run out and look in the back room and it, you could see in it so i don't know if it if it had kind of moved into here because i had acknowledged it or what but so we end up calling her nana who is she's a very spiritual woman she's very christian she's also very christian but also in a way like i was talking about of almost pagan practice and like right. one of those things that are you see a lot in you know old time mountain christian churches are like the anointing and oh, yeah. So she had Rachel get some olive oil and she prayed, she's in near Asheville, prayed to bless the oil, you know, and they both kind of, she, you know, spiritually and Rachel physically put their hands on me and prayed. You know, I had a Bible and the oppressiveness that I'd felt 
since I had acknowledged this thing kind of faded away. Like it was not, it was still here, but it wasn't almost you know, su suffocating like it had been before. So we finally get to sleep. And the next day, we go to this happy store to buy some sage. No, we go see John. Well, we did. We went to say jo see John. Because we stopped at the mall in Roanoke, and I went and got sage and some other stuff that I needed. But, so when we got home, um, I kicked, I kicked them out. Yeah. I took the painting <laughs> and told him to take the painting outside and take Take Dalen. They went down to their parents. Yeah, For about 30 minutes, I made sure I opened windows. I turned on all the lights. And I cleaned the house. And it was, you know, I'm sure Brittany knows. You know how it is to clean a house like that? Um, sometimes it's very easy. Uh, trying to cleanse this house was a fight. And I, besides being like, exhausted it was like every time I was trying to say something it was like I was getting muffled out like I couldn't hear what I was saying I was saying it and I was getting louder and it was almost like it was being muffled out or I was getting tongue-tied constantly so I was having to like repeat the process and go through every room and like he was saying about Dalen's room like it wasn't in there I could sit in Dalen's floor and his room was warm and it was almost like a constant vibrating feeling in his room. Like whatever was there, it was obviously not dark and oppressive, but there was just literally so much energy there. It felt like somebody was just shaking that room. Yeah. And I'll go back to what I said earlier. The whole reason that I had talked about the energy when I was younger in the church and my eyes vibrating, you know, I felt that too very strongly but she did it and the reason she had me take the painting was you know we're like maybe this you know woman who we think has been watching over Dalen is attached to this painting but I'm kicking everything out she ain't gotta go but she was gone too but then things turn around a lot for us after that that's been very interesting. Do you think that it is possible that her grandmother's belief in that practice is what helped in that instance? Or do you think there's something more than that to it? I absolutely think it helped. You know, it was Rachel as well, but. I have family I... members that I, you're fine, that I talked to that even if we don't have the same religious beliefs, I ask your advice. I'm like, what do I do? Sure. What is what is it that's here? What is causing this? Like, how do I get rid of this? And I don't just ask her help. I ask my stepmom's help. Mm. I go through what I believe and how I've cleaned houses before and how, and it becomes this like family group efforts of whatever is in here. It is they're doing what they do on their religious as aspects on their end. And then I do whatever I believe on my religious aspects on my end. And it, like I said, is it like that whole day was, I told my family, I'm like, tonight's the night. Like, 
And as soon as I kicked them out, I texted everybody. I'm like, don't text back. I'm going to clean the house now. So it was a thing where everybody knew what I was doing. Yeah. And they all know that this is like all hands on deck. Like we're going for it. So I, it's not just me being in touch with it. It's all of us being in touch with it, but all of us being in touch with it at the same time to fight the same thing. It sounds like it doesn't matter like the modality. It's really the intention behind it. And so you all had the same intention of we're going to cleanse the space. We're going to, you know, release this dark energy. And so your approach may have been different than you know, other family members, but it was the same energetic intention behind it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you still have the painting? I um, painted over it and I made a painting. Um, I was messing around drawing hands and um, a pomegranate on it. But um, I do know that when we took the painting out, the intention was to whatever was attached to it so it'd be Betty, whatever good vibes and good energy was coming off of it. I didn't want to mm-hmm. get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I don't think she was attached to it after I did clean the house because this was a long, grueling process that I went through. And I'm going to assume whatever was in here kind of kicked rocks. Um, but when we brought the painting back in, it wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. It, it didn't have the same energy, but I kept the painting because it's it now is kind of sentimental to us. I mean, it has a meaning. Like, I did paint over it and make it mine, but we know that the original painting and what is underneath that is something that we both shared together, Mm -hmm. and it's the first moment that he's ever experienced something like that. Yeah. My thing is, I kept trying to tell him, I was like, I don't think you want to open that door. Like, some doors are meant to be closed. Like, don't open the door. Don't communicate with it. Whatever you're trying to communicate with is not nice. You don't want to know what it wants. Kurt, had you ever experienced anything like that before Rachel and Dalen had moved in? No. Nope. Nope. Not at all. But since then, I've had many experiences. Nothing is visceral. Right. But there have definitely been multiple times since that Dalen is constantly talking about seeing ghosts here. And I think a lot of it's just kid stuff, but... I don't know if it always is. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, there have been many a time that I've now started to see like strange moving shadows that shouldn't be there. But I felt like for some reason, this house, I don't know if it's the house itself. I mean, this it's only been here since the 60s or 70s. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's the house itself or the land that it's on. Mm-hmm. But it seems like it draws in energy mm-hmm. whether it be ghosts or because we have i have a different theory what's your well th- at least when it comes to the dark energy we definitely wondered if because i that energy aside from being dark and the other being light <coughs> they felt very different And that, like, I didn't, you know, you could say it was like a demonic energy, but no, like, I didn't think it was demon. I don't really believe in demons. Right. I don't think, and it didn't seem like it was a ghost. It was just dark energy. Whereas the other one, very 
clearly felt like almost conscious, at least partially conscious. And, you know, it seems to me like that would be more classically what somebody would feel or consider to be a ghost or at least, you know, energy that someone has left behind. Sure. That might be a figment of the, the you know, aura or spiritual energy of a person. But the other just felt like, I'm not going to say evil, but darkness, mm -hmm. right? Malevolent. And yeah malevolent darkness and what we both talked about and theorized was that <coughs> my former roommate may have created that situation because he was he had issues and and he was always extremely depressed and it seemed like he, uh, not through any conscious effort, but may have just kind of attracted dark energy to, to him. And uh, so that could have been what brought it. But I still feel like, in my opinion, that there's some kind of magnetic energy to this house or area that kind of attracts things. Yeah, me and Dalen. That too. Me and Dalen are both empaths. Mm -hmm. So we we feel any change in anything, whether it be people or your surroundings. And my thing is with him being so little and not understanding things, it's quite easy for somebody who doesn't understand things to open doors they don't understand. Right. And just kind of open up their mind to things that they they don't realize they are. And then that gives you the opportunity to have something sneak in. And he is an empath on a boggling level. Like, he is extremely emotionally manipulative where and I don't necessarily think it's a conscious thing he's doing mm -hmm. and it's not um, from a you know narcissistic manipulative kind of viewpoint where you know somebody would tell lies and, and uh, uh, you know gaslight you into believing something other than is what is true or what you want to believe it's just almost like he projects his energy and makes you feel it mm. so he's very good at getting his way at times mm -hmm. persuasive <laughs> but uh but i mean not really he's horribly he's horrible at persuading his word <laughs> and just like all kids are yeah but, but uh one thing that really opened my eyes was my cousin and his father. You know, I grew up with my cousin. Mm -hmm. And uh, 11, 12 years ago, he and his father were both killed in an accident with a drunk driver. Yeah. 
And, you know, we were very close and it affected me very much for a long time. You know, I still miss him, but uh, there was a, he was in a bunch of bands and there was a benefit concert for him. Not long after that, after he and my uncle passed and uh, one of his, or his best friend uh, is a great artist and he did a, you know, a flyer poster for it where he, you know, used, I'm not sure what, what, uh, you know, drawing medium he is, but he did a picture of. That was a great image. I, re I remember that. Great image. And uh, so one day, a few years ago, I have it hanging up in our living room framed. And one day, a couple of years ago, Dale was like, who, who is that man in that picture right there? I said, well, that's my cousin. I said, why? He said, I've seen him here before. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's he interesting. Had, he had no idea who he was. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, but, he's, a, he's a kid. He had no no way of knowing, and he passed long before you met these guys. So, mm -hmm. But, uh, and now, but I know when something's happening now, because, you know, on occasion, I'll start to feel that vibration in my eyeballs. The one thing that she and I like to do is antiquing. Mm -hmm. you know, I like to go to antique stores. Mm -hmm. And it never fails in antique stores that you come across things that are invested with some kind of energy. Mm -hmm. And we will walk around and one of us will be like, hey, you know, I think this thing don't touch this and the other will walk over and be like oh yeah no because i'll just be walking by whatever item looking at whatever item and my eyes start vibrating and uh you know when her stepmom and Mana were up here visiting one time we went to the big antique store in town and you know she was very overwhelmed you know rachel talked about how sensitive she is to you know, spirits and energies, and she couldn't stay in there very long. But I've just, ever since then, it's just an experience that made me just understand, oh, hey, there is something to this. I still don't necessarily think it's, hey, there's ghosts, but I'm very much more open and believing to the fact that there's something other than what you see yeah. some kind of energy that is affected in some way that we would consider spiritually mm -hmm. I, I still talk like a skeptic when it comes to things but much more of an accepting skeptic mm -hmm. right well I, I think that the the word skeptic has kind of been co-opt co-opted by people who are just they just want to be debunkers what a skeptic is supposed to be is someone who has not made up their mind about a thing they want more information about a thing or they or they don't care about the thing you know it's not supposed to be yeah. it's not supposed to mean someone who's trying to disprove a thing you know that that's what a debunker is and it's kind of been co-opted over the past several decades in my opinion um so i i think that there's nothing wrong with the idea of being a skeptic who who has experienced the thing and is, is open to different ideas the the antique shop thing you guys are talking about is super interesting for me uh when Brittany and i first got together there were a couple of things in my house 
that you know she had she would be like where you know wh- where did this come from and i'd be like well my my brother you know he he goes to those types of places and he finds interesting things and sometimes he finds really old things things he finds interesting or things he'll he'll just grab lots of stuff anything he find he would find he thinks that i would be interested in he would send to me so there's a couple of really old carved statues um a couple of of, of other items that kind of were you know randomly displayed throughout my house that she kind of got really would you say a weird feeling about maybe mm-hmm. um yeah. and she's like these things need to be cleared and and she she took care of that and and a couple of things we've actually removed from being displayed they're they're away now um but you know unerringly and having no information previous to this about the fact that that that's where they came from those were specifically the items that she had those feelings about in my house mm-hmm. in our in what is now our house something that's interesting to me about the way that this has played out with you guys and, and you having the experience that you had and now are able you know are are, are feeling the things you're feeling um and and somebody that i bring up a lot in these episodes and here i thought i was going to be able to go an entire episode without talking about john keel which is the guy <laughs> who wrote the mothman prophecies and many other books he he mm-hmm. had kind of a, a unified theory of what we call the paranormal or the supernatural and he he felt that there's something that humans have that's not currently scientifically measurable that a lot of times we call esp or psychic ability and mm-hmm. he felt that sometime in the future we would end up with some way to to meter that. And I think that you know that, that that may be in the future, but he felt that everyone is either somewhere from almost zero, but not quite zero, to very high on a spectrum. And he also felt that the people who are very high on that spectrum, who have the ability, um, for lack of a better word, ability to perceive and interact with these things. If you spend enough time with someone who is like that, it can amp up e- even someone who's almost at zero. And the stories you that you just told reminded me of, of of that theory he had that you know if if it was him talking to you, he would probably uh, assert or at least presume that her lifetime of picking up on energies caused you to become more in tune with that stuff. Like you, your, your, your frequencies are more aligned now. It's, mm-hmm. it's another way of, of, of saying that if, if you like that better. Well, I agree. Um, 100%. Yes. But also like I can look back now at things all throughout my lifetime that I can now recognize hey, that was probably this, and that was probably this, and that was probably this. But, you know, I had no frame of reference, mm-hmm. I guess. Sure. So it never occurred to me that, hey, this could be, you know, somewhere where there's some kind of energy, yada, yada. You know, this is especially the situations where my body and everything knew that something was looking at me. Yeah. But there was no one around Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but yeah, the the antiquing has definitely become an interesting. 
That's a super interesting thought for sure. And uh, maybe something that can be explored in, in other ways as well. That's that's super interesting to me. Have you ever come across an item that you, you, you had the opposite feeling about that was like, oh, this this has this has a very positive like vibe to it? Well, I haven't had any aside from this one clown doll. Clown doll. Oh yeah. Raggedy. But no, it was a raggedy Ann doll. But it was like a homemade Mm-hmm. That had to be like a hundred years old, but for the most part, when I've you know come across things, not just antiquing, but sometimes otherwise, antiquing is is an easy you know experiment and searching for spiritual energies or whatnot because it's a bunch of old shit you know brought together in one place and old stuff that has been around for fifty, a hundred. 150, 200 years has had much more time to accumulate you know, energies or whatnot. But mm-hmm. I've felt the uh, <coughs> eyeball vibration many a times now, specifically uh, in but that's the only time I've ever felt any kind of, I don't know, emotional or sense of positive or negative with anything it usually it's just oh you know there's something going on with this thing like hey rachel and she's like oh yeah there is and we went we were upstairs when her stepmom was with us and i was walking by you know i don't know if you've probably been in big antique malls before where it's just rooms and rooms and they're all piled up and not piled up but all kinds of little sections almost like a labyrinth Mm-hmm. And uh, I walked past this little dead end area, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I felt something here, and I, her, I had her stepmom come over because she was telling us all these things that she was getting from all these objects, and I was like, "You guys walk by, but I know there's something going on here." And she said, "Oh, yeah," and she pointed out exactly what it was. See, I couldn't figure out. Normally, I can't pinpoint exactly what it's coming from. I just know it's something right there. Mm-hmm. But and she was like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought that you would be able to sense something like that. I just run around yelling, don't touch that. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I would want that warning as well, just in case anyone yeah. who's also on this on this interview is paying attention. I uh, oh, I would also like to be told not to touch things if they don't need to be touched, just in case. <laughs> I'm not ruling anything out. It's interesting to me that you uh, just a, a kind of an aside, and I'm not someone who kind of assigns these types of, you know, valuations to things, but, you know, there, there's lots of um, maybe modern mythology would be a, a good way to, to, to say about old handmade, specifically Raggedy Ann dolls. Uh, the most famous being uh, Rick and Lorraine Warren. The, the people, you know, who like the Annabelle movies are based off of, they were real ghost hunters. They were real, yeah, like, yeah. like actual... I think they're, I think they're kind of, I have opinions on that, but well, I think that, that they, they, that they hype, they, I do think that it's proven that they hype things up, but there are definitely people who, who honestly believe that some of the things that they, that they said were actually real and they did really do investigations and they had a collection from what I've, uh, what I understand, they had a collection of handmade Raggedy Ann dolls that they said were haunted. 
So it's interesting to me that you would have a weird feeling about one of those, especially if you don't previously have that in your head of that's part of, you know, the, the modern mythology of potentially haunted things. Whether I believe it, I don't know. But that is the thing in, it's in the, the mythology. Yeah, but I'm still going to say you don't want to touch it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stay away. <laughs> don't touch. But as you're saying, like, some people are able to bump other people up into feeling things. Like, I agree, because I feel like we are all so much more than just what science can tell us we are. Mm-hmm. And I mean, especially when you're in a relationship and I mean, I'm going to say this is you're the first relationship that I've seen John in and you are the first person that I've ever seen make John happy. Oh, and I am biased. I better be invited to the wedding, Um, (laughs) but but I absolutely, you know, I can just feel how happy he is now that he's with you. And I don't mean like, oh, he's smiling. I mean, I can feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, he radiates it, whether he realizes it or not. And I think it's fantastic. But I also feel like, like I said, is we are more than just what science can tell us. And being in a relationship with somebody, you get to learn so much about them spiritually and the things they believe, the things they've been through. And the way that I look at it personally is, you got doors in your brain that have been locked, you know, things you walk away, you don't think about. And then when you get in a relationship with somebody, you start opening these doors, allowing somebody into yourself. Yep. And I feel like once you start doing that and you start open these doors in your mind, then you're much more susceptible to opening, opening up to anything, like any type of energy. And like, science can't explain everything right and I do think that a lot of it is you kind of just when you're with somebody long enough you kind of pick up on who they are as a person and what they believe and then you kind of open a door and show them hey this is what this is and then it allows them to understand oh that's what this feeling is and then it becomes a like mutual understanding of what's going on and maybe it won't be the seeker and a skeptic for too long <laughs> you might not be too skeptical after this yeah he's like hurt you he's definitely more open-minded i i mean and like he said that's that's how he perceives a skeptic is being open-minded asking those Absolutely. questions but um you know i'm not trying to toot my own horn over here but i do think that we're doing that like he's doing this now i think because we're together right like this door for you Jonathan would have been closed had I not waltzed into your life is that true I I walked away from from metaphysics uh uh, years and years and years ago um I definitely um was was no longer I I you know from childhood on to my mid-20s I had a lot of very strange experiences that um most of which I can't really have a great explanation for um some of it i've got theory some of it is just like okay that was strange um and you know i i have spent a lot of time um well i've spent a number of years just trying to forget all of it and then you know but other than those years i spent my life trying to figure out what and why 
the majority of it is and and still trying to to do so um you know i I read a lot about this kind of stuff and you know especially when i was younger i read a lot more about the kind of stuff i'm getting back into it now and you know going back into those places and um actually been doing some some kind of deep dive on a a town i used to live in called lumberton north carolina we're hoping to have some future podcasts featuring um some people from there we're we're in some talks which we're very excited about but can't really talk about yet at least not on something that we're going to be putting putting out there um so you know i I definitely have, have had a life of 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 strangeness um so my 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 skepticism is not whether someone's experiencing something they say they're experiencing my skepticism is i don't think that we as a people have any idea of what any of this really means or at least most of us don't have a good idea um and i i could speak for 30 hours on why i think that the religion of one thing is wrong or our idea of the science of another thing is wrong i I do think that science will eventually catch up with this stuff but it might not be within our lifetime i mean there was a, a a time that the atom was a theory and that, that that sounds really foreign to us you know in 2023 when when we're you know thinking about quantum physics now but like you know there, there was you know there was a time when i mean there's so, just so many things like science science is so young in the grand scheme of humanity and humanity is so young in the grand scheme of the universe that you know it, to to say that anything is unmeasurable by nature i think is is silly and i think that eventually science will science will catch up but in, but until then i think that there are, are other ways of, of trying to figure out what these things are and, and why they're happening the way they're happening well and like we've talked about before it's like these are things that you can't easily replicate so it's really hard to use a scientific method to study you know paranormal phenomenon you know it's like how do you replicate that in a scientific setting you know i'm sure there are ways and hopefully science will catch up and more you know smarter people than me will start studying this stuff but as long as i'm not you know one of the subjects so much they try to get me highly <laughs> emotional to tell them things i think are okay yeah i would prefer let's let's not do that one for science yeah involve somebody else please <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna pass on that ahead (laughs) one thing that i like to do in these episodes is when uh either either us as hosts or the people we're speaking to talk about a um talk about something that is not necessarily readily accessible i try to give definitions when i can and so kind of speaking to anyone listening that has not heard of um what Kurt was talking about towards the beginning of the podcast of speaking in tongues. Um basically in evangelical Christian in 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 a nutshell, because you could talk about this for 30 hours too. Um in a nutshell, um in evangelical Christianity, especially either Pentecostal or apostolic heritage, there is what I would call a form of channeling that happens uh that is often called being slain in the spirit but is also sometimes mentioned as being touched by the Holy Spirit. Uh, usually it's it's mm-hmm. during a musical part of a church session where the people in the congregation of the church 
begin to uh, some some of them will convulse. Some of them will will say that they are dancing but cannot stop dancing. Um, a lot of times they will do something that, that is termed as speaking in tongues, which is a tradition that comes from the book of Acts within the New Testament. That uh, what sounds from to, to outsiders is gibberish, and will often have uh, another person within the congregation give what they say is an interpretation of what that supposed potential gibberish is uh collectively generally is called being slain in the spirit uh and it seems uh at least to me and, and a lot of other people to kind of mirror a, uh what would be a, a mass channeling effect in other uh traditions so everybody can take that for what they want to take it for yeah they the church i went to always called it being touched by the holy Ghost. so yeah, touched by the Holy. There you go, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. There's, there's, there's a bunch of different ways of of terming these things. Well, this has been a very interesting, thought provoking conversation. I've really appreciated talking to you guys. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's been fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for talking yeah. with us, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Hope you've enjoyed it like we have. Very happy to. I'm sure we may have other things we could talk about in the future. I think so. I, <laughs> I think so. All of them I've lived in. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I've got those too. Yep. Yeah, some people are just lucky to have a whole life full of strange things. Mm-hmm. See you Bye-bye, later. Bye, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. If you have a strange story you want to share with us, email us at seekerandskeptic at gmail.com. We look forward to talking to you soon.